Don't need to remind you about all the youth violence we've been seeing in this city. Let's drop that music down just a little bit, please. Thank you. Uh, you know, we've had a string of them. Every single day we get this new headline, the latest happening Wednesday with a shooting at Toronto, East York. This one happening in a school washroom where apparently a fight broke out with students and an outreach worker trying to break it up ended up getting hit by a bullet fired off. It ended up ricocheting off uh, the wall. He suffered minor injuries, thankfully. Um, but it could have been much worse. And we know it is getting worse. We hear about it. But recent data from Toronto Police seems to suggest that there is more violent crime being carried out by young people and that the violent crime they seem to think is fallout from the lockdown measures, whether it was isolation from closed schools, uh, too much social media, no sporting events. In a lot of cases, you had kids, especially in lower incomes, where parents had to work which would leave them unsupervised for long stretches. And, um, you know, people from different communities or new Canadians couldn't get into things like cultural programs. So Toronto Police actually presented uh, the TDSB last month numbers that show 622 young people between 12 and 29 were victims of stabbing in 2022. 586 were accused of stabbings between January 2021 and November 2022. So... Numbers that are going in the wrong direction, but is what Toronto police say true? Let me bring in Dr. Caitlin Mendes to this conversation, a professor of sociology at Western University. Thanks so much, doctor, for joining us. Hi, thanks so much for having me. You know, we haven't really been paying attention, certainly not during the pandemic. I talked a lot about some of the consequences of lockdown measures, and it just seems now we're kind of starting to see the sprinkling of what you know, some of the fallout is, um, is it, is it um, safe to say, and are the Toronto police right to say that the behavior of some of the people we're seeing right now on the streets is from what happened during COVID? I absolutely think so. Yeah, over the past uh, few years, actually, ever since really lockdown measures began, I've been going into schools and talking with young people about their experiences. Um, and what came out was really feelings of anxiety, of depression, and then also talking to students, actually, as they were returning to schools as lockdown measures ended. And what we heard from students, their teachers and parents is really how much everyone, but pr- particularly young people, are really struggling to adjust actually to life back after lockdown. What's their biggest struggle? Well, I think there's a lot of things. I think social media absolutely plays a big role, and that's a key focus of my own research. So we found, you know, we have this time where technologies in theory are really able to kind of connect people, and yet we have people feeling more isolated and more lonely ever than ever before. And I think partly because perhaps they're relying too much on digital technologies to maintain relationships as part of the leisure time, and they're not spending enough time with other people. And I think one of the things that that can do is lower things like empathy for other people. It's easy to kind of say something mean or cruel that maybe you don't really mean, um, but it's easy to say in a digital space versus if you say it to someone's face and you have to actually see the consequences. So I think that there's a lot of banter, a lot of harmful, negative comments that get made online that, again, people maybe don't necessarily mean, but nevertheless, it actually causes a lot of pain. And in part, that can then cause people to feel anxious, depressed um, and isolated. 
Yeah, well, look, I mean, you only need to, cyberbullying is terrible, whether an adult or a kid, and you only need to be ravaged by, you know, a handful of people to have, uh, to be scared by it. It's an awful, awful feeling when people are coming after you, um, you know, and, and certainly we've seen the dangers of social media, given the recent headline involving eight teens now accused of murdering a homeless man who met online and apparently just decided to, to meet up. Um, but, the, you know, the, the one go-to I've always kind of constantly heard whenever I talk about the concerns of learning loss or, you know, losing out on something as simple as a prom or just those social networks. I mean, when you're a teen, everything matters, you know, and, and mm-hmm. but little things matter too. those life experiences that you only get once. Um, but the one comment I've always gotten back is kids are resilient. Don't worry, they'll be fine. Uh, you say what mm-hmm. to that? Well, I, I think so. Actually, I want to kind of go back to the first point you made about I think it's been really interesting because when we look at school responses, schools have been panicking about making sure that kids map skills and their literacy are up to date. But actually, there's a really strong argument for making sure that their emotional well-being, their mental health um, is really up to date. So I think a lot more time actually needs to be spent kind of making sure their social lives, their relationships are OK and maybe focusing a little bit less on math and literacy or or maybe not focusing less on them but don't skip over elements of the curriculum that help people develop kind of their whole um you know like um personal social well-being i think that's really really important um yeah i mean there, there, there's a number of okay sorry go on go on i'll let you finish and then i'll, I'll oh, bring no, up the okay. other point go ahead I was, well, I was just going to say, you know, during the lockdowns, everyone knew, and certainly because the WHO warned of lockdowns, I mean, they're, they're a controversial measure. And so you would think that those putting the measures in place would t- take stock and say, look, while we're doing this, we have to come up with plans as to how we're going to manage things like learning loss, which, you know, is going to impact this generation uh, for years, putting them at a disadvantage. But also, like, what happens if we don't have mental health supports? What do we do exactly. if girls are starting getting to get eating disorders, which apparently they're now waiting two years to get help? None of these conversations, doctors, seem to have been had. And I look at it and I think it's too late. Uh, uh, you know, parents are having to go out and do it themselves to, to try to, you know, reverse the damage. And in many cases, there are going to be a lot of parents who can't. You know, they're not in the yeah. position to be able to do undo the damage. So yeah. I, I say a pox on a lot of houses. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I mean, everyone is struggling. No one really knows how to navigate this terrain. So parents don't understand. Teachers don't understand. Teach. I mean, schools are also so overwhelmed. So I really have a lot of sympathy for them. But yeah, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, this, this is this is really unprecedented for our generation. So no one really knows how to support young people or even themselves. We have to recognize that maybe some parents and even teachers are actually experiencing mental health issues as well. So they mm-hmm. may not be in the best place to really support young people. And I think you're right. You know, we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg here. So I'm not surprised at all when I hear these statistics about violence increasing in schools. In London, where I'm based, there was a stabbing before Christmas at one of the schools here as well. And it was by students who, again, you know, were not the typical students that you might expect. They were girls. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you don't often kind of see uh, that violence. And again, we saw that with the swarming of the girls attacking Mm -hmm. homeless men. So it's it's we're seeing violence from different types of uh, groups that maybe we typically didn't see it from. And I think that's a really alarming uh, a trend that we're seeing. Yeah. So given all the challenges, and there really are so many challenges, whether it's economics, whether it's trying to get past the pandemic and all the rest of the fallout and, and what parents and, and adults are going through, what needs to happen, doctor, in your mind just to kind of 
I guess, put the toothpaste back in the tube, even though I think the policymakers and the decision makers are way too late on this. But what needs to happen in your mind to start kind of reversing this? Because something has detached where you've got this younger generation. Um, they're just detached from a reality of consequence of of understanding that their actions have big problems and maybe not understanding what they're getting into themselves. Or, or, but how do you where do we go from here? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's not an easy answer. And I think, you know, it's not a one size all a one size fits all mm. approach either. I think we have to take lots of different things. Schools absolutely play a role. Parents play a role. I think part of it is, again, kind of developing empathy. Uh, we need yeah. to create more, I think, boundaries around screen time around, you know, how much time young people are spending online. Social media platforms, the minimum age of use is 13. However, mm -hmm. most young people are getting phones far before, far below the age of 13. They're on these social media platforms. Their parents really don't understand the way that these platforms work, the role that algorithms play. So you were talking about um, eating disorders that mm -hmm. are hugely mm -hmm. on the rise. You know, all you have to do is click on one video that maybe kind of shows it. And if you linger on it for long enough, the algorithm starts feeding you more and more of that kind of toxic content. And so yeah. parents may be like, oh, I have an Instagram account. I see cute kittens and puppies and baking recipes. But actually, I think what a lot of parents don't understand is that depending on what their kids are interested in, their experience of Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok may be very, very different from their own. And in fact, what we often see with a lot of these social media platforms is the way that they're connected. So parents might think, oh, my child's only on, um, you know, TikTok, but actually oh the, the platforms the are much more connected. So mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot to do in terms of digital literacy. There's a lot to do in terms of developing the personal, social, uh, kind of mental health element. Um, and it's not just young people that need the support. It's also adults in their lives need the support as well. Because, again, it's no use just blaming teachers and saying, OK, teachers, all of a sudden you have to go and do this training. But again, this yeah. isn't, you know, teachers didn't grow up in this digital world. Parents didn't grow up in this digital world. So I think we need support and resources for young people, parents, teachers, school leaders, I could go on a big rant about the role oh, yeah. social media companies also need to play. Tech companies, they have a lot. Um, I think they need to be much more accountable in terms of the content, in terms of the affordances and how it really enables hate. If you talk to mm -hmm. a platform like Meta, they'll talk about, oh, it's only such a small percentage of content that's hateful or harmful. Yeah, but for those, you know, even though it may be a small overall percentage, the content that's there is still incredibly, incredibly damaging to those who mm -hmm. see it or are targeted by it. Yeah, look, uh, this is not a conversation that can be done in nine minutes. Uh, you know, I talk about it a lot. I'll continue to talk about it. And doctor, you're not saying anything that all the others have said. It, you know, social media is a massive problem. And, and that is something parents can control, but they've got to start doing it. It's one part of it, but I think it is a very big part of it. But nonetheless, we'll continue talking about it because the kids are not all right. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Take care. That is uh, Dr. Caitlin Mende. So, you know, can only do so much, but I think it starts at home for a lot of these things. Kids might hate you for a while, but maybe a week off of TikTok will make them happier.